Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits the Thriller Podcast. How you doing today, Mike? Chris, let's cut the chit-chat because I just want to talk about the first three chapters of Only the Dead. I mean, forgive me, man, but I just I want to jump right into this. I am ready to go. Yeah, dude, it was very good. When you text me that picture of the podcast that came out, I'm like, hey, I think I think we should we need to talk about this because, oh, boy, is it good. And I listened on, on the way to work and you did not d- disappoint at all. I actually went back and since we have the arc, I went back and reread it just because I think we're going to get into it a little bit of comparison about the differences with audiobooks. I don't know. Maybe some of our readers don't appreciate it, but a lot of times when we're doing these things, we, we have very busy lives. So the easiest way to crunch the tape, as they say, is to actually listen to them. I have to recommend it. You know, if you're not an audiobook person, try it out for this one because it, or just go listen to the podcast because you're going to get a sneak peek of the, of the audiobook. It hits so differently. Yeah, I, when we got the arc, I was over the moon, and it took me a couple of days. I really didn't have time to sit down and open it. And luckily, in that window, right before I cracked it open, the Danger Close podcast comes up on my feed. And so, guys, what Chris is referring to is Jack Carr's killer podcast. You already know about it, I'm sure. But one of his recent episodes is about an hour, the first hour of Only the Dead, and you're spot on, Chris. My jaw hit the floor. I, I was walking, listening to this thing. And the prologue starts out. I'm like, this is really cool. I'm interested. And we'll get into what it's about. But again, like most audio previews, it's a it's a side story. It's new characters. Obviously, they're going to be brought into the fold somehow. And I really, really love how this is set in 1980, I believe. And Tom Reese makes an appearance. And, and dude, there's so much in that prologue that I love. But I'm walking along, listening to this thing, and like, oh, really cool. I'll listen to this hour. I'll go home. I'll I'll read the book. I'll read those chapters in the book. And then chapter one happens. I, I literally was in a trance listening to Ray Porter recite this dialogue, if you can call it that, because it's basically just Reese. And he's in his own head in prison or in a holding cell. We we know it's in Colorado. And this comes off the heels of In the Blood. Like a major, right. major cliffhanger. He's arrested at the cabin with Katie. He gives her the key. They were going to have a two-bottle-of-wine night. We all know what that was going to be like. And then, boom, the, the cops come busting down his door on the Hastings Ranch, take him into custody. And chapter one we get to see that, the consequences of that, the outcomes of that, and not only to see it, but to live it. We're in Reese's head this entire time. And Ray Porter reading that dialogue of, I guess, the devil or this this voice that's in his head is just thrilling. An absolute thrill listening to this audiobook excerpt. Yeah, I think that's his inner demons or, you know, the what's the id ego super ego uh you know like 
the the side of your brain that wants to give up versus the other side of his brain that is forcing him to stay in the fight, you know, win the battle, win the fight. Yeah, and like it's different reading it, you know. It this is going to continue. That's the only spell I give. But it, like the I I continued on, and we're obviously we're going to stay with with Reese for a little bit. And it's when you hear it in audiobook form, and like Ray Porter is so good at doing the, these different voices. And really get inside your head. And he just goes a little bit darker. Like you said, you want to feel like it's, you know, your inner devil when it's like the, the, the bad, the bad cop, the bad angel, right? You have the bad angel and the good angel on yep. your shoulder. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's super interesting what, what happens. You know, like we, we were left on a big, big cliffhanger in the last book. And to one, obviously we know most prologues are not going to be our main cast, but we, we get a pretty big name drop in the fact that this is Reese's father and has something to do with, you know, what was going on. Obviously we go in the past, we meet up with this other politician who was part of, you know, some sort of clandestine operation with Reese's father. We don't know yet. And that, that prologue culminates with an assassination. And not only just to get that, that like, you know, big chunk like i text you like there are a lot of meat on these bones to chew but then to follow it up with both a russia chapter Mm -hmm. and inside reese's head chapter you know very good i oh my god i don't even know where to begin with everything you just said i mean for the people we have not finished the entire book yet we are not going to discuss anything except for the prologue chapter one And chapter two, and that's what's been released on the Danger Close podcast, about an hour of Ray Porter. So keep listening. We're going to dig into what Chris just went over. We're going to tease that out and take it apart, but we're not going to spoil anything later in the book. I haven't even gotten any further than that. So, uh, yeah, let's let's just stick with that. But, oh, my God, you're, you're entirely right. You know how some of the other previews in the series we've been reading which the marketing team does a great job. You know, we just got the Deadfall preview, and that right. was uh, just the prologue. And same thing with Brad Thor's previous books, Rising Tiger. We just got the prologue. And again, they do not have Scott Harvath. They in no way even really reference Scott Harvath. All they do is set the stage for where the conflict will be, you know, in India with Rising Tiger, Ukraine with Deadfall. And kind of the same with the Mitch Rapp series. You know, the last few, we've gotten these excerpts. And thankfully, we have gotten George Goodell for those. So that's always a fun part, hearing George Goodell with the Mitch Rapp previews. But again, I feel like we don't get the scenes where it's Mitch, it's Irene, you know, uh, Scott Coleman. They're kind of holding back a little. They're reserving those chapters for when the book comes out. You know, they're really wetting your whistle. Well, this is wetting my whistle in a different way because you're right. We're hitting Tom Reese. We're being reminded of the key in the lockbox. Then, boom, we're hitting James Reese. We're being reminded of his arrest. And there's even a hint about Alice. Is she friend or foe? Right. Because right. in the blood, Alice was huge. Like, like all the social media buzz after that book was, good day, Alice. You know, Alice is watching. Alice is listening. And now you got James Reese wondering what role did she play in all this? I, I did say in my limerick, back when we covered in the blood, is Alice friend or foe? And right here, we get the voice saying to Reese, Did Alice betray you? 
No, she warned me. Maybe she did both. Is she friend or foe? Like the voice in Reese's head is toying with him the same way we, the reader, were toyed with, wondering who Alice is and what side will she take and is this a good technology? And you're right. That's not even the that's not even the whole story, because a huge part of James Reese is Russia. Is you know uh, the FSB, the SVR, and all these people he's basically hunted down and the ones responsible for everything he's been through essentially. And so we get this really neat scene on the black sea with this fortress castle, which is built for the president and the uh, head of, I think it's the main character whose head we're in Dashkov, I think is the FSB head. And now with Gromyko, who was killed in Gorky park, was that just last book or was that, that was a little bit earlier. Was it not? No, that was last book. That was last book. And so now we're wondering the fallout of that in the Russian intelligence services because the deputy of, and I believe he was the head of, not the KGB, the SVR. And so now you got the deputy for the SVR. They're kind of meeting in this backroom deal and there's already a power dynamic between the two of them. Man, we're getting Tom Reese in the 1980s, James Reese at the end of In the Blood and the Russian perspective at the end of In the Blood. That's a bold move to release all of that, but it's so genius and it paid off. I mean, I came back from that walk. I read the scene. Ray Porter blew me away. I'm like, does this hit as hard if I go sit down and read it on the page? And it did. It did. But it was something special about listening to that audiobook read by Ray Porter. I can't describe it. It was haunting, Chris. It was just haunting. And like reading it on the page was exciting and thrilling. But it wasn't that level of haunting with how Ray Porter delivered it. Right. He's perfect. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, this had me wondering, obviously they just wanted to, they, they cut, cut it in an hour. and maybe, maybe that's why they picked these these three excerpts to, to release. But I don't know, it gives you like a sense of one, where all three of the threads that were at the end of the book, like going, like what, you know, to entice you. And they only dropped it a week before the book came out. It's not like they dropped like the the Deadfall preview was dropped, you know, last month, and it or it comes out in July. So got some time. True. This is a little bit closer to the release. But Mike, I, I think you were the one who was saying that you've actually looked into the beginnings of other books and how like they start out. Does this one compare? So. I, yes, I didn't want to be a prisoner of the moment because I texted you the second I read this, like, yo, we got to record right away. And I was about to proclaim, this is my favorite start to a James Reese novel. This is some of Jack's best writing. This is his best opening chapter or opening two chapters. I was just ready to declare that. <laughs> and I, I want to stand by it because it's so good. But I said to check myself, let me pull off the shelf all the other Jack Carr books. And I went through them one by one for prologue and chapter one. And unfortunately, it's like a five-way tie for my favorite opening of a book. It's just, I, I, I don't know what to think anymore. So I'm like, okay, nothing can be as good as this was because this was awesome. And then I opened Terminal List. And you've got the sniper shot in the prologue on Marcus Boykin in Wyoming. I'm like, oh, damn it. That was pretty good. 
And then I'm like, all right, well, chapter one, this has got to be a better chapter one than that chapter one. And then I open it. It's the ambush in Afghanistan on Reese and his troop. I'm like, oh, crap. Right. These, these iconic scenes, right? Like those two are iconic Jack Carr scenes. And boom, they're the first two in Terminalist. I'm like, okay, well, true believer. It's a Christmas attack. The prologue is the suicide bombings in the center of London. I'm like, that That too was a really awesome scene. I think I like this one better. And the shot in Wyoming on Marcus Boykin better. But I'm like, man, that that's up there as a runner-up for a really awesome prologue scene. All right, well, what about chapter one? And it's Reese on the boat, the bitter harvest. Right. And I remember saying the exact same thing. I loved the dialogue. And again, not really dialogue, but I guess a monologue. We're in Reese's head. We are coping with what he's coping with. He's lost at sea thinking he's going to die, trying to find a new lease on life. And it's like, man, I can remember True Believer putting me in his shoes. I felt every swell on that boat. I felt the, you know, cakiness in his beard and the scabs on his skin. And I'm like, okay, so that scene was also a really good chapter one. Dude, I'm only getting started. What do you remember about Savage Sun opening? Because, man, it's classic. It opens up with the hunting of Rafe's sister, right? Yep. Hannah Hayes. Crazy, crazy opening. Right? Crazy scene. Like, okay, so that's a really good prologue. That's up there and, you know, tied for first place. And then chapter one was kind of cool as well. They're on Kumba Ranch. And I think it's the first time we're really introduced to Rafe because all true believer Rafe Hastings is hinted at and talked about. Right, right. But it's chapter one of Savage Son where they're chilling. They're chilling on the ranch and goofing off and recalling memories. So I'm like, man, that's a pretty memorable scene right there. And it just kept going. The devil's hand, right? I'll wrap it up. But it basically was 9-11. Like, boom, that's super cool. That was a power. That was a powerful prologue. We're not only seeing the terrorist who is this a lady who has basically been tricked into planting the box cutters on the plane. We're also with Alec Christensen, the the would-be president, and his perspective, losing his fiance on that day. Chapter one of The Devil's Hand, the CIA processing plant, the facility where he's being interrogated and he's being interviewed. I remember really liking how he's answering all the questions and he's kind of perturbed and he's mouthing off. That's when we get like those random like lines of like um, deception, you know, like deception indicated, you know, yep. deception indicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's almost every single time the first chapter is something so crucial to understanding who James Reese is, the ambush in Afghanistan aboard the bitter harvest. Him hanging with Rafe on Kumba Ranch. Him being interrogated to join the CIA. Like, every opening chapter, it's a hallmark of Jack Carr. It's a Carrism. He opens the book with Reese. Who Reese is, what stage of his journey he's on, what demons he's facing, internal or external. We're dropped right into the action in chapter one with with Reese. And I think that's a genius move. And same thing happens in In the Blood. The prologue is Aliyah, the his former colleague from Mossad, being blown out of the sky in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. Nizar Katan had the RPG. And then right. Rafe, Reese, and this time Katie as well are chilling out the ranch. 
he's going to train her. You know, uh, Rafe was going to train Katie, but they get the news about the plane in Africa and and Reese basically has to leave. So every single time. So we see Reese with a family, right, with Katie, knowing that that's going to be a huge part of In the Blood. It opens with him having to leave Katie. So how cool is that, that this is a hallmark of Jack Carr, that he opens his books with such memorable, delectable moments on the journey with James Reese? No, I mean, it's a sign of a you know good author. I think it's one of the things we we like and respect about about Jack as an author as a as a thriller writer. You know, some books take time to sort of get find their way and I think by sort of establishing this routine, going somewhere off plot and then immediately chapter 1 we get a scene with our main character. That's nice cuz I remember sometimes in I want to say with either Mitch Rap, it's like 3 or 4 chapters before we meet Mitch. Yes. You know. It's right. like setting up all three of your plot lines, you know, the, the best part about this series really is the main character, James Reese. Yes, like, absolutely. You, you you can't you can't deny that. Like that is the best part of the series. So, yeah, I mean, give us more of it. And the timeline, right? Like it's his life. I was so happy we opened up right there with the fallout from the conclusion of In the Blood. It, you could say this about a lot of series. It reads as if it's the protagonist and main character's life story. It's just got, you know, every book in the series is just another chapter of their story. But this one, by far, I think is the best I've seen where we we are Reese. We are living right. as the audience. We are living Reese's life. We are seeing every twist and turn. And I'm so glad there hasn't been this opportunity, maybe a little bit within the blood adding Aaliyah, this character from Assad, and they had some backstory, but we never heard of her before. But it worked out. You know, that was smoothed over when we heard about that bar scene, right, where they were in that bar together, and then the explosion went off. You know, we filled in the gaps enough. But other than that, I feel like everything just flows seamlessly. If you put all these books together into a, what, a tome, I think it would just read so smoothly. It would all be one giant story. And speaking of that, this is the longest one. I definitely checked that. I looked up the page count. This one is longer than Devil's Hand and In the Blood. So we got a lot to look forward to here. Yeah, I saw that the audiobook, I was looking at the pre-release, you could buy it, is like almost 16 hours. Like that is a that is a long book. We're 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 reaching consent to kill. You know, this is this is interesting because we've seen on track a lot of these authors. Authors are cutting down their, their novels. Both of it, Kyle's and Brad's latest have been shorter. You know, but I, I think we noted it with Devil's Hand that it, it was sort of bucking the trend. It was it was not on the shorter, you know, not not necessarily being cut. And I, I, I feel like Jack doesn't try to play the, uh, what do you want to call it, um, rhythm game that i've been feeling mm-hmm. with some of these other authors even with you know some like don like don's first novel which came out in 2020 i could i could sense the need of like this propulsion you know like we're gonna start out slow and then i mean i guess most books ultimately try to do that especially in this genre but i've been feeling it more maybe it's because i'm looking for it mm-hmm. with you know um some of the other series we've we've read even with like uh chris howdy and like that's i guess that's quintessential 
screenwriting, right? You know, you're gonna, yeah. your, 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 your third act has to be this, you know, you're like an engine, chug, 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 chug. And then we get the full steam going ahead and, and then culminates with the climax. Um, but I just feel like this, is, this one's way more, way more natural, you know? Yes. We could sit with it, you know, it's, it's taking its time. So there's normally like a, a kind of a long author's note. Yes. Uh, before we kind of got a short one this time, right? It, it was shorter. I, I think it was. And they also didn't release it on the podcast. That was not part of the danger close preview that we got. And I wonder about that. I, I feel like maybe they wanted it to be the story where the author's note sure. is definitely Jack's kind of uh, exposition or explanation as the author. I think they wanted this preview to just be the story, but it was still really, really good. I like, I think we could take all of Jack's author's notes from each of these, compile them into some sort of handbook, give each one a different title. And, you know, there's your table of contents, you know, the one word title that, has driven each of these books like terminalist being vengeance you know um true believer being uh redemption savage son being hunted and hunter i feel like you can compile these authors notes together each one just have a di- has a different theme and a different message which is so pertinent so relevant to what we need to hear and this one didn't disappoint so can from the first three chapters can you gather what his one word or one sentence theme is so or has he said it or has he said it i don't know but i think this part of the author's note is very telling so the preface by the way guys you haven't gotten the book yet so we're not going to give away the author's note because it has not yet been published or released but just this one quote i think really sums up where jack's headed here or at least what what mental space he's in quote The novel you hold in your hands is one of truth and consequences. How much of what follows is fiction and how much is truth? You will know when you turn the final page. Enjoy the journey. Time is ticking. Truth. Boom. Consequences. Time. I think there's a lot of of different themes that you could pull from just that short little explanation. Yeah, the, this idea of time, he that was that came up a lot in the last novel, right? Or the past two with with yep. with his father's watch and his like his father like in his head saying saying the word time time over again. Yep. Yeah, and then this this truth and consequences, you know, one we guess, guess we haven't really broken down the the chapters besides the sub like what the plot what the overarching plot is, but in the third chapter with the Russia, we kind of got a whole exposition about. Whether or not it's what Brad or what um, Jack ultimately thinks of our current state of affairs, but he, you know, is just giving a breakdown in the eyes of, you know, let's say a Russian operative about what sort of misinformation, what sort of campaign they're they're using with the Ukrainian war, with social media, with whatever. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think it blends the line of faction, you know, Brad's favorite word, uh, you know, putting in facts with some fiction. You know, obviously being told from the perspective of the head of the FSB, right? Um, I always get those. Because FF is, FF, it's the head of the CIA, like 
the Russian CIA versus the other guy who died was the head of the Russian internal versus external? Yeah, I think. Or do I have that wrong? I think it might have been reversed. I think FSB is internal and SVR is foreign intel. I got that right here because in chapter three, where that's all going down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. SVR is uh, is, SVR is international. International, yeah. So that's like FSB would be closer to our FBI, and yeah, SVR uh, would be closer FBI to our CIA. CIA, probably you know, probably nowhere near close, but that's how we can as in, Americans in layman's in layman's terms. Layman's yeah. term, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about faction though. Brethor obviously is the king of that, and he invented the term, but. He definitely blurs the lines a little bit more. He definitely plays in that fantastical zone of of that sandbox a bit more where I think Jack, and again, just based on his experience, his background, and actually his whole platform, right? Like the celebrity that he has become, I think, is very much due to his being a student of war, an observer of the present, a commenter, a commentator, right? Um, Whether he's on Joe Rogan or he's making the news circuit or he's on Fox or he's he's publishing an article, I think he leans a little bit the other way with his faction, where his faction is a bit more grounded in reality. And at the same time, you're right. You said we've seen Thor and others kind of condense that part of their works. For example, Rising Tiger, you could have given me eight more on China and India, all the political maneuvering, because you know Brad's a master of that. But something in the final draft of that book limited that talk, that exposition. And I would have loved to see it. You know, I, I wanted more of that. Same thing I would say even with Black Ice. Black Ice was definitely hitting on some awesome stuff with Arctic navigation and sea routes and oil and pipelines and whatnot. But it kind of held back, or I, I shouldn't say held back, maybe was trimmed down, you know, trim some of the fat, beefing up and going a little too heavy into that geopolitics detail and, and nuance. But I want that. And, and I think Jack gives us that. And that's why his books are getting so long. And, and that's why I think, you know, Simon and Schuster is okay with his books getting that long. It's let Jack be Jack. Let him go read the landscape of where America is at and its place in the world and inform the readers of it. Unless I'm going to make a story that's fictional and try to make some connections to America today. He's like, no, I'm going to imagine James Reese having to deal with the problems of America today and how he reads the landscape and responds as our operators really would not in a hypothetical. There's some, you know, made up virus that Hannibal had, 3,000 years, 2,000 years ago or whatever and uncovered it and you know, it's just too much or there are these hieroglyphs and let's read these hieroglyphs or we found some magical box that Thomas Jefferson made and this magical box has a all super right, all right. Those books did come out like 15 and 19 years ago. So let's give let's give Brad a little bit of a, a little bit of a break. I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think Jack Carr has got bit by the Nicolas Cage National Treasure Bug as much as Brad was bit by the National Treasure Bug. Oh, I think like, you know, 
he's trying to oh you could tell like this is maybe i i, I at least what what i'm gauging this is kind of like his culmination not definitely not his last book but the culmination of maybe what he's trying to tell with you know his father nizarkatan freddie strain you know i i feel like we're gonna get answers here and i ultimately if i don't get answers in this 560 page book i'm probably going to be upset you know unless you really take me on a nice ride like you know i i i feel i just feel like we're we're heading towards something and then maybe you know whatever he resets whatever the next story is who knows he's got plenty of time to explore do take james reese down different channels whatever and I think once you get up to the 21, 22 book level, you're given, you know, you have to sort of get creative, right? Yeah. And there are the arcs, right? There, There is an arc of storytelling within that 20 plus book framework that kind of stands alone. You know, we've called it early Brad or early Vince and then late Brad, late Vince. You know, I think we're going to end up seeing that with Jack Carr eventually, right? It's going to take a few more books. But then we'll be able to group them, you know, like clearly Terminalist to Savage Son is one thing. Devil's Hand kind of turns the page a little bit. And now it seems like Only the Dead is kind of connecting all of it. But yeah, I think we're going to see these clusters of these books emerge eventually. And I feel like you're right. We need a little conclusion at some point on a couple of those, particularly the lockbox, the key. Tom Reese's list, right? We know he had a list right. of uh, uh, people in the Russian government and and maybe wider than that, that Reese has been trying to find, that James has been trying to find. I, I think you're right. A conclusion to some of that, putting a bow on a couple of things like that might be really good. So I have a question for you. Who Who is this uh, Walt and this Martha character? Yeah, well, they're dead. I'll put it that way. They're, they're yeah, very I dead. know, but <laughs> um, I, they're very dead. But obviously, there's some sort of implication about what was going on. What what was happening? I don't know, man. But I like that speakeasy where the wife follows him to the speakeasy. Really cool. It's called Chumley's in New York City. I think it's on the Upper West Side. After Walt takes a couple of different taxis and some surveillance detection routes. He knows he's clean, goes into the speakeasy, meeting with Tom Reese. And when his wife busts in, it's just the way she describes and reacts to this man, this hardened man with this penetrating stare. Jack writes, quote, she took stock of the man across the table. He wasn't smiling. The eyes weren't so much cold as they were perceptive and alert, penetrating. She had not seen eyes like that before. Tom Reese, like... We're doing it. We are doing this. Love that description of Tom Reese. That was cool. And so they brought up this whole idea of the Pike Report, right? Which is like a, a yes. secret backdoor investigation into our own. Same time as the church committee and the church hearings. Right. So I want to know, you know what, what's going on. Obviously, these guys met in Vietnam, both soldiers. You know, one's a politician. One's a spook, you know, what are they talking about? And, and who, who killed him? Did, did, right. did Tom Reese order, order their assassination or is it the Russians? Oh yeah. Right. Is it the same people who went after Tom Reese are going after his network? Did they make a list, right? Like we're going to get Tom Reese and all these other people we know he's collaborating with. I really love that when they think it's the Harbor master and they just docked 
in Newport, and I think he's going to give a speech at some society, probably part of a campaign, because he they were looking for uh, running, you know, for the White House. He and his wife right, were right. really trying to build an empire, and almost I love the language around Camelot. There were all yeah. these all these hints that they were going to usher in the next era of a Kennedy, you know, which rightfully or wrongfully, there is this nostalgia around those, those early days of Kennedy's presidency of this high society. Right. And, uh, this Arthurian legend that was where Camelot comes from, you know, of this perfect society and the way that was referenced so many times, I'm like, they really think they're going to get us out of this mess. You know, the 1980s, the, uh, the communists, the pinkos, the red scare, you know, we're kind of tearing each other apart, all this division in the social fabric. And this guy could have been the one as a politician, a working class guy, a lobster man, right? A fisherman, but he marries into right. money. So he's got Massachusetts old money, you know, backing him, but he's also got the working class veteran persona that he can campaign on. It's almost like a match made in heaven. You know, it's a it's a Jack and Jackie, you know, kind of pairing. And then boom, they're dead simply for one reason. They knew Tom Reese. Exactly. Is death follow Reese as the voice says in chapter one, you know, you have become death. I think, I think the voice says to James, let's see, where is it? He literally stuck him and says, death becomes you Reese war. It's in your blood. You became war. Yeah. And how many other people, were led to suffer because of Tom Reese and his whatever he was up to, you know? But how many people did he save? True, true. We know that uh, Katie, Katie's family was involved with Tom Reese. Right. And saved right. her, saved them. Got her so, father, the doc, yeah, her father out. But that's the question, yeah, right? That, that's what the voice is telling James. Y you, you are death. Death follows you. Death will get Katie. And he says, no, I'll save her. And the voice says, like, you saved your, your wife and child? Like, ooh, damn. Like, yeah, that was, you know, you are your own worst critic. And in that moment, it's very harsh the way he's being on himself. Yo, that, that, I think the reason that chapter sat with me and still sits with me is I think it's almost the closest I've come to being able to empathize because I can't in my regular life. But through fiction, that chapter almost allow me to empathize with, you know, people who face whether it's schizophrenia or some other disorder or even suicidal tendencies or depression or severe anxiety. I felt that I literally felt it in my bones because of how close I identify with James Reese and, and these novels. And I've never had that experience. I never have been able to put myself in the shoes and say, what if I was somebody who had a voice telling me I'm worthless and could contemplate suicide or I should end it all or I'm not worth it? Like, I don't know what that'd be like to be haunted by those demons. Yet reading this book, I, I, I like I said, I was on a walk in the neighborhood. I was in a trance. I read that chapter. I took my earbuds out. I don't even know how long I walked for. Just not listening to, not thinking about anything. In my mind, I'm like, is that voice what people really hear? You know, like if you are driven to madness to, to do something drastic, that voice was really compelling, really powerful and really making arguments based on fact. Reese, you weren't there for your children. 
because of the things you've done, many people paid the price. You got out of it. They didn't. It's your fault. Like, holy shit. How do you even stand up to that? And someone as strong as Reese has the courage. He comes out of it saying no. He tells that voice no. He says at the end of the chapter, there will be a reckoning. But us, we're not as strong as Reese. You know, the common person going through this wouldn't have the resolve to fight back and be able to fight off that voice. Reese could, we think. We don't know yet, but but Reese can. What about the average common man? And I don't know if I've ever had fiction touch me so much on a level that I've never experienced, but kind of put me in the shoes of somebody who might be going through what a character is going through. Yeah, no, it's 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 powerful, man. And I think, you know, ultimately that's what they're wanting to achieve, right? With with this tactic of putting him in this dark room. And you kind of get the sense of, you know, what deprivation is and, and you know how it could lead people to go to, you know, go to madness. The way that Jack is able to put it on the page, put you know, put put pen to word, um, word to paper, uh, pen to paper. There we go. Um, you know, is 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 pretty special. I think that that chapter, uh, it is is it hits hard, you know. And like yeah. we said, it, it hits when you listen to it. Even it, it hits a little bit different. So, I I can't. I really hope. I have high hopes for this book, man. I have same, high hopes. It's, same, it's, same, it same. started out really good. I'm I'm super excited. Yeah. All right, so let's let's uh let's let's make a make a couple predictions. Ooh, ooh, that's dangerous territory right there, but okay. How long do you think Reese is in in uh in prison? I, I don't think long. Partially out of necessity, like we need a story. But also partially that first chapter was enough for me. Like what needed to be said was said. <laughs> the consequences of him being in this cell were laid bare. And I think I'm ready for whatever gets him out and gets him moving. I I, I don't know, but I think it's either somebody on the outside. I don't think he like scrapes his way out or MacGyver's his way out or anything. But I do think somebody unexpectedly has the means to get him out and does so, whether it's with the U.S. government's permission, probably not, or more likely someone who knows he was framed and it's all fake. And maybe Alice sends somebody or tips somebody. Off I was going to I was going to ask, uh, do you do you think it's Alice that gets him out? I because I, she's I, the one who warned him, right? She's like they yeah. they had turned off all their phones and she was able to like figure out a way to like, you know, get get him a, a signal, I guess, to follow up on that. Do you think Alice is friend or foe? Dude, that's the question, man. I think I think she's going to be both. But I think we're going to have to play with, as Jack said in that author's note, consequences. Truth and consequences, I think, is, is going to be the theme. And he says we're going to find out if this is the truth or not in this book. So I think Alice is going to take us on a journey. I think we're not going to know. I think we're going to question a lot of the way through, but I think we're going to be very satisfied with how she's used. Although it's like any technology, it's not good or bad in itself. It depends on the user and the 
the values of the people who control it. So I think Alice is going to show us more about ourselves than Alice does about herself or itself. Yeah. Yeah. It has me thinking like, did, did the Russians make their own version of Alice or did, did Alice get hacked? You know, is, is there someone yeah. nefarious, you know, obviously the Russians were able to pull this off, pull off an assassination, frame it on James Reese had to have a lot of people high up in, in our, you know, whatever moles placed to, to, to achieve this really intrigued to see how that, that whole dynamic pans out, how James gets out, how Alice is involved when we see Katie again, you know, yeah. when we see Rafe. So what is Katie going to do? Like she's got some choices to make. No, like, does she work with the Hastings? What does she do with this key? Is there anybody she reaches out to to try to help Reese? I, what's her role in all this? See, I, I could see her playing the whole journalist card and you know tracking down you leads you, essentially detective work with the key, yep. figuring that out, and then that ultimately leads them to you know ahead because the Russians are probably like also trying to figure that you know this they they want that list right they want or that like whatever. Tom Ray's had. And so I feel like she's going to be on the run. Maybe James has to save her yet again, or maybe they're both on the run. I don't know. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think we get an enemy at the gates moment? We, we already had Freddie strain die. That was a huge one. We had terminalists, right? Reese's family die. We were not expecting that. Do you think we're going to be losing anybody here? I think there's a possibility of that. I mean, it's never off the table, but I, I don't get that feeling yet. You know, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't see. It'd be a bold move to kill off James Reese in your fifth novel, but yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't see that at all. I, I think, I think we're gonna, we're gonna get more answers than jaw dropping, you know, bombshells. But I could be wrong. Rafe, Rafe or Jonathan? Yeah, that would, that would be awful. Dude, that'd be a gut punch. That would be like a Mike Nash gut punch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that would do something to the fan base, <laughs> just like Mike <laughs> Nash did with Mitch Rav. Like, woo! Yikes, that'd be something. And obviously we get a little hint to the vice president, you know? How how is she involved, you know? Right, right. That's going to be uh, interesting. What's her role going to be? So, and, uh, You know what's pretty interesting? Kind of like The Mandalorian Season 3 did this to me. We pretty much had everything answered right away. Like everything I thought this book would be about of like, was Reese taken? Is he in prison? Is he in custody of the U.S. government? Answered. Uh, who who hit the president? Who who was behind it? Who framed Reese? Uh, boom. Answered. Russia. The Russians. Yeah. Um, what happened with Tom Reese? Are we going to hear about his list? Is somebody going to be doing something in his past to figure out the key and all this? Yep. Done. Answered. We know that's coming. We almost, in the very start, got everything answered, basically, that we wanted to know about where the story is going. Not all the details were filled in, but we've got big answers to, to questions right in the very beginning. So the rest of this book, I don't know where it's going to go. Like The Mandalorian, right? Spoiler, season three, it answers some really big questions. You know, are we going to the mines of Mandalore? Are we going to bathe in the living waters? You know, is all this going to happen? Like, yes, it did right away. You know, a couple episodes in, you know, took care of all that. 
And I had no idea what the rest of the season was going to hold. Well, now with this book, I've got some questions answered right up front. I have no idea what's going to happen. Chapter 50, chapter 60, you know, what the heck is going to be happening there? Yeah, no, it's it, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to talk the rest of this book with you, Mike. It's going to be exciting. Dude, let's do it. Programming note, I guess we are waiting for publication date. By the time you hear this, it may be just around or just before the publication of Only the Dead. We will, after maybe a week or so of the book being out, publish our part one podcast, breaking down the first half of the book. We'll let you know where our pause point is so you can read to it and follow along. And definitely after the book's been out a couple of weeks or so, we will give you our part two, our final rating, final review of Jack Carr, Only the Dead, book six. Six, right? In the James Reese series. So oh, six, we'll, yeah. I was saying five, but six, yeah. Definitely by the end of May, we will have our full coverage of Only the Dead. Yep, yep. All right, we have to thank our patrons, our special operator Sherry F., our special agents Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Jack be Jack. <laughs>